Hello, Crypto Land. I'm Justin. It's Friday. And this is the ARK Crypto Podcast, Episode 51. Episode 51, one week closer to 52 weeks of the ARK Crypto Podcast. This week, it's just hanging with Justin. You know, we're chatting a little bit. We're going to break down the ARK roadmap and go into some more details about some things that we haven't really been publicizing heavily recently, but are very cool things. And they are public information because they're on our roadmap, right? But what about the details? Like, what does all this stuff mean? Well, that's what we're going to go into this week. The general approach of different aspects of the roadmap, what we're trying to achieve, and then why you should be excited. So this is kind of the the main crux of of this episode here. So is the music out yet? It, I don't know. Let's let's get that out. You can already tell it's going to be a super chill episode. Let's head over to roadmap.arc.io and once we're on this page, you'll see uh, an improvement versus before our new website came out. Our new website came out. Everything is a lot more live, integrated, interactive, and the roadmap is no different. Uh, in fact, you'll see at the top, there are three areas that the roadmap is subdivided into, which are in development, exploratory, and completed. So that way you can filter and see a little bit better what's going on with each stage of each part of the roadmap. Also, just a small note, you'll notice in the top right area, you'll see the first dot was uh, March 21st, 2017, which was the day that the ARC Public Network first came online. And the ARC public network has been running ever since, going very well. People can send and receive transactions. The database is great. Everybody's maintaining their nodes. Everything's going awesome. Now, speaking of core, we're going to head over to in development and take a look at Q3 2019. Now, you'll notice that there's only one module in this Q3 2019 here, which is core 2.6. Now, that seems light compared to some others, like in the past, for example, Q4 2018, was riddled with all kinds of things on the roadmap, big important things like the core version two launch, which was a complete reimagining of all the ARC code where we purged all the legacy inherited code. Other things like the SDKs and integrations getting completely redone for the new core, the desktop wallet getting completely redone for the new core. Like that quarter was jam packed full of stuff. And I remember that it was very fast paced. Actually, that was, yeah, the first quarter where I was on the team as well. So lot of action there. But that doesn't mean there's less action here in Q3 2019. Because 2.6, and I've said this once, but 2.6 is what many are saying who are studying our progress is the biggest upgrade since probably core version 2 and probably since ever, even though core 2 was a complete redesign, as I mentioned. Core 2.6 is going to be implementing a lot of new functions and features for the blockchain itself, where developers have new tools they can use to enact their vision of their specific use case using Arc technology. So there is a blog post about this. And if you go to blog.arc.io, you can read more about what's going on with 2.6. That blog post is titled Path to V3, What's Next? But in 2.6, we've got new registration transaction types. So what this means is that with the ARC core, the goal of the ARC ecosystem is to use our core to create your own blockchain with a specific use case and become a part of an overall interconnected ecosystem of blockchains. Uh, this was done for a number of reasons, some of the larger of which being scalability issues can be resolved from having multiple blockchains and you're not having everybody rely on one central network. And then as well, 
you can have your own custom identity of logic that you want to introduce in your blockchain that won't be bogging down the Arc public network, which acts as like a, a hub where other blockchains around it are like spokes. These other blockchains are completely independent. And if something is wonky with the Arc public network, it doesn't affect bridge chains. If a bridge chain goes wonky, it doesn't affect the Arc public network, etc. So moving into registration types, uh, what this means is that when a new project or organization or entity wishes to create a new blockchain, they can register that blockchain on the Arc public network so that the Arc public network is aware that there's a chain out there, where it is, what it can do, etc. So this registration will assign ownership of the new blockchain, however the, the founders want to set that up. And then when actions are taken by that entity from that address, for example, there's a degree of trust that can be assigned to those actions. And this opens up new possibilities for interacting with other blockchains and doing other things like that. I know this is very general, but it's really supposed to be a Reader's Digest edition anyway. So another thing that interests me coming into 2.6 is the multi-signature transaction type. This is very similar to what you might be already used to with something like Bitcoin, for example, where you can have multiple wallet addresses controlling one quantity of crypto, and then a certain percentage of those wallet addresses must sign a transaction for it to be broadcast and those funds to be moved. So this is extremely handy in a number of cases, as you can probably already guess, including uh, custody of assets, uh, security. You don't have to worry about having one key that's all important. You can have multiple keys. You can assign and split up custody and control to a, a group of people. And then that opens doors to on-chain governance, where decisions can be made on chain and actions can be taken on chain and you don't have to worry about somebody like running off with all the money or whatever, that kind of thing. So I'll give you a key example of the multi-signature transaction type being very beneficial. Uh, that would be the ARC Community Fund. So the ARC Community Fund is a community managed treasury that is run by a board of five community elected persons who assess projects that are presented to them by the community. And these projects can be anything that people come up with. Uh, for example, a new plugin that they want to make or a new end user service, a new web resource that they want to build. It can also cover things like grassroots marketing efforts in the community. So currently, there's a trusted custodian that manages the funds of the ACF and disperses funds according to the ACF's directives. However, in the future, in 2.6, when multi-signatures are implemented, ACF members themselves can act as the deciding party to disperse funds where nobody controls all the funds at any one time and a decision to move funds can be represented on chain. Now, with the future of the ARC public network and the future of ARC bridge chains, it doesn't have to be limited to just one entity that is managed by a, a multi-signature wallet. It could be a bunch of entities that are all doing specific tasks and have specific goals that are all using multi-signature protocol. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that grow over time as this feature is implemented for the Arc Public Network and for bridge chains. So let's move on to the multi-payment transaction type. Now, this one is also really cool. I don't know exactly how unique 
this transaction type is. But the multi-payment transaction type allows a single transaction originating from a single address to send funds to multiple destinations at once in one transaction with one transaction fee. Now, it looks like one of the origins of this transaction type being implemented are voluntary voting rewards. Now, I'll only touch on this briefly, but ARC Public Network delegates do have the option, if they so choose, to voluntarily reward ARC to their voters who are voting for them and keeping them in the top 51 forging position. These voluntary voting rewards are not a part of the ARC protocol, and ARC.io does not run the ARC Public Network. But delegates can choose to give ARC to voters according to specific proposals that they follow. So the thing is, when delegates are executing these payout runs, they can really clog up the Explorer, for example, where if you're on the ARC Explorer, then all you can really see are payout transactions. And it's harder to see actual transactions going to and fro. Now, when the voter count gets big and there's like, you know, a million voters, then you're going to need a way to decongest the network without just having to rely on increasing TPS. So the multi-payment transaction type facilitates this. And I like it. Okay, so next up, real quick, we've got the delegate resignation transaction type. Uh, what this does is if a delegate is maintaining their node and their position in the top 51 in the ARC public network, and the delegate decides to manually step down and be like, I'm not going to run a delegate anymore, or I'm shutting off my node for some reason and it's not going to come back on, then it presents a potential issue because if the voters don't respond to this by switching their vote, then their red node will be taking up one of the top 51 slots, and that's not cool. So what this does is it will untether the voting relationship between the delegate and the voters, and it will prevent additional voters for voting for that delegate. It'll just say, sorry, can't do that, and the vote weight will drop to zero. So when the vote weight drops to zero, they bump themselves out of the top 51 and everything's all good. I think this is good for bridge chains specifically because I do track other projects using Arc, and one of them is called Phantom, which is a smaller project that was launched, oh man, maybe eight months ago. I can't specifically remember, but this small network, very small network, and they do have a number of red nodes that are taking up slots, and this impacts the inflation, it impacts other things with the uh, the network, and they're trying to figure this out. They're trying to be like, well, hey, like, shout as loud as you can, like, change your votes, guys, but they don't really know what else to do other than hard fork away from uh, those red nodes. So with this, it's way easier. It's just like the delegates like, buy, I'm done, and then they execute the resignation transaction type, and then nobody else has to worry about anything. So I like this. We've also got the IPFS transaction type. I'm not really going to cover that here. But the hash time lock contracts are really interesting, and I will cover that. With the HTLC implementation for 2.6, what this will do is allow ARC to be locked up on chain such that the receiving address can claim it or not. And if they don't, then it goes back to the original source. This is the groundwork for decentralized exchange of information and assets between ARC and ARC bridge chains. Of course, this is a critical component of the overall vision of ARC because interoperability is what we're all about. HTLCs will help facilitate this. 
So on the most raw level, how this would work is you've got two parties and those two parties want to exchange some asset. So what happens is an HTLC is, is initialized on the ARC public network that says, hey, these funds are here and I can't take these funds away until the timer runs out, but they won't go to the destination address until condition is met, etc. On the other side, you've got the other party who executes a time lock for their side of some other asset on some other chain with the same parameters that I just described. So when the network detects that these two things are happening and that this exchange is now possible because both are locked, it can facilitate the release of the funds on both sides to the destination addresses on both sides for both networks. Now, of course, I'm not going to go into hella deep detail about how it will work with ARC and how it will work for the user and all this, these other things. But this is how it essentially would play out on the lowest level. Another thing I really like about HTLCs is the simple use case of safe sending when you're not sure the other person will get it or not. And if they don't get it, it comes back to you. I really like that for me specifically, because I could do something like, for example, build a service where I can create a bunch of wallets and then I can send ARC to these wallets in HTLC and I can give the person the means to claim the ARC to their address. And then when they do it, the funds go. But when they don't do it, they come back to me and I'd be like, sorry, dude, like you could have got ARC, but you waited too long. And now I'm going to give this ARC to somebody else. Now, I might have some minor details confused, but the general concept stays the same. This can provide good value to our giveaway efforts, right? Marketing outreach efforts, where the people that I end up actually giving ARC to are people that I know for sure have interacted with our blockchain and have used our products, which is kind of what we want to happen. So I'm looking forward to this HTLC situation. Lastly, with 2.6, we've got the generic transaction interface, which will be implemented, which is also known as AIP 29. Now, a blog article has also been released regarding the GTI, and you can check that out on blog.arc.io. But in a nutshell, the GTI is a way for developers to author and design their own custom transaction types that will then live on their bridge chain and perform specific functions that they want to happen. Now, this is really useful because when you combine this with Arc Core plugins, you have the best of both worlds scenario where as an architect, you can decide which components of your business logic do you want to be decentralized, immutable, and on-chain, and which components do you want to be just simple portions of the logic that are carried out on each node where the code is decentralized and all the nodes are running that code, but the nodes can also easily update that code as needed. So you get the immutability, you get the flexibility kind of all at once. This is the nature of what we call arc logic. So yeah, 2.6, big deal. I know that Dean Van Dukteren, who's the CEO of NOS, our first officially accepted Powered by Arc partner, is very excited about this 2.6 stuff. And he's been hard at work using Arc technology to implement his vision of deploying a virtual operating system for the smart economy and a decentralized app store run by community elected curators instead of a central authority like you would find in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Dean is very excited about all this stuff, like more excited than I would expect someone to be, <laughs> considering code can be a little dry sometimes. 
but he talks about it like it's the next Marvel movie coming out. So good on you, Dean. And I can't wait to have more developers eyeballs on this new tech. Okay, so that actually took up a little while, a little more than I wanted it to, but that's okay. Uh, let's move to core three, which has a couple things that I'm extremely excited about, and I'm just gonna break it down real fast. The thing that I'm the most excited about on this entire roadmap, and I know it's a smaller thing, but for me personally, I know that I'm gonna love this thing, is the core GUI dashboard for node management, yeah. So I run a relay node on the Arc Public Network. I don't run a delegate. I just run a relay node where it maintains a copy of the ledger and I connect my desktop wallet to it and there you go. So when I access my node and when everybody else accesses their nodes, they're using consoles and they get in there with something like Putty or something else that's like a console manager. Now using Arc technology actually was the first time I've ever done console related stuff. So I, I felt cool, like I felt like I was like a super important hacker guy, you know, log in. This is a Unix system. I know this. But, you know, growing up, of course, and in my other development experience, I'm used to like a full package, you know, that usually includes a really nice GUI so that I can understand what I'm making and I can analyze things well and I don't have to like memorize all the functions and all these other things. So with Core 3, the core GUI dashboard for node management is going to come out. So I'm so excited for that. It's going to be sweet. And I think I'm going to have some suggestions as this gets built up. It's right now at 10% progress. Next up, we've got modular logic for BridgeChain so that they can change how their blockchain operates versus the Arc Public Network, uh, consensus logic and voting logic. So they'll be able to kind of tweak a little bit how voting works on their chain versus with Arc etc. Same with consensus. So that's going to bring a lot of flexibility to developers who are like, yes, I am very well versed in JavaScript slash TypeScript, and I love everything that's going on here. But it seems like there's going to be a lot of work because our vision for how our consensus will work or how our voting will work based on our specific use case varies from how it's currently set up with Arc by default. But now they'll be able to just, you know, change that. And that's not an issue. They won't have to like, take apart the entire engine and then rebuild the entire engine. They can just tweak some stuff real quick and there you go. Additionally, in Core V3 coming up, along with other things, is a rewriting of the snapshot system with better and more efficient algorithms. So I think the snapshot system is really cool because it creates a seamless experience for repairing something that went wonky as a delegate and you need to like kind of go back in time. So the snapshot system acts as like a time machine where if something got forked and you're like, oh, I'm on a fork or something is weird, you can roll back your database for your node to a specific point in the past and then it'll resync with the blockchain from that point. So you can do this really easily with simple commands using the uh, Arc Core CLI and in the future using the Arc Core dashboard GUI node manager. So yeah, you'll be able to just say, go back, and then it goes back. And you don't have to do anything fancy or special or extra. It's something that I can get my head around pretty easily. I don't know if you know this, but one of the main reasons why I joined Arc is because they seem very focused on bringing down this very complicated technology to people who have the vision to do something awesome, but don't want to deal with the hassle of 
learning every little in and out of how blockchains completely work from bottom to top, blah, blah, blah. So like in this example, right, the snapshot system combined with the core node manager dashboard, somebody doesn't really have to know how the snapshot system works. They just press snapshot, yes, do or snapshot recall, and then it does what they need it to do. And there you go. It's all good to go. Same with the deployer, right? We released the deployer alpha in May where you can create a blockchain and customize it to your liking. And all you need to do is set the parameters you want and then a blockchain pops right out using a, a GUI. And then you can interface with your blockchain using the API, using SDKs in over a dozen languages in technologies. And you don't really need to know anything about what's going on under the hood because it just works. You know, it's constantly getting tested. The core is being updated. Also, there's uh, new developments for bridge chain update protocol, which will make updating bridge chains easier. The whole thing is really just catered to, look, you don't have to focus on the nitty gritty details because things are too complicated. We could just present you with a streamlined process so that you can harness blockchain technology to do the things that you wanted to do and have a great time. And it's all presented to the developer in a widely used language TypeScript. So this is cool. I like this. Now, there have been some guides coming out to entice developers to learn more about using Arc on our blog. And Chris did an excellent job writing a two-part series on how to build a decentralized application using Arc. And there's going to be even more of these exploratory type blog articles coming out in the future, as well as interactive workshops where developers can tune in remotely and get hands-on with Arc right next to the team. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. Now, do you remember earlier when I was talking about Q4 2018 and how busy it was and how there's all this stuff that had to kind of come together all at once and stuff, and it all worked out actually just perfectly, in my opinion, Q4 of 2019 is actually looking a lot like that. I'm getting very similar vibes here on the new roadmap compared to last year, Q4. Now, aside from Arc Core V3, Having an expected completion period during Q4, we've also got the mobile wallet complete revamp as well. Now, the mobile wallet is moving to native apps for Apple and Android, so this will improve performance drastically and enable a lot of new features and functionalities. There's actually been a couple AMAs regarding the mobile wallet that you can check out on our subreddit and in our monthly newsletters, but I love the mobile wallet. I use it all the time. I use it all the time. I use it to check my balances. I use it to give ARC to people. I use it to send ARC to paper wallets and stuff. And I really love the mobile wallet. I think that it's gonna be really cool to see some more features coming to it and there's a lot of discussion about it. So nice. Not only that, we've got the ARC deployer improved deployment. So right now the deployer acts as like an alpha proof of concept situation that does actually work and people have used it and real developers have used it and they're messing around with Arc technology as we speak. But the deployer is more like a pipeline where it takes you through the process of uh, configuring a blockchain, right? So in the three steps of the deployment process, you've got prepare, customize and deploy with prepare being getting all your servers ready and getting everything ready, customize being changing the code or the parameters to what you want for your particular bridge chain and then deploy, which is installing it onto your Genesis node and peers and all that. So in the future, and it looks like the near future, uh, you're going to have a far improved deployer, which takes care of a lot of the other steps besides customization. And I'm looking very, very, very forward to this because I was able to make a chain by myself and I was able to follow all the steps and it worked. 
And I was amazed. I was like, Justin Renkin just made a blockchain. What is going on? I couldn't believe my screen that I had a blockchain running and I didn't ask for help from anyone. I just used the documentation and I learned about how it works, right? I already know a lot about how it works, but I used the documentation to make sure that it included everything I needed to know to find out how it works. Then I customized a chain and then I deployed it onto real servers and set up peers and they all connected. And I was like, what is going on? It worked. I did it. And you know, when I think about that day, it makes me so happy that I'm with Arc instead of some other project because I I believe personally that not everyone's really trying to make it accessible to a lot of people. And I'm not saying I have a tried and true reason to have a blockchain as Justin Renkin, but I am saying that the more people who can make a blockchain, the more success it could have to bring change to the world because you could have, you know, a random college student in their dorm room that comes up with a brilliant idea one day that that came to them in a dream. And something like ARC gives them the tools to flesh that out into something that can take them to the next level really quickly and easily, that they can do this like by themselves if they if they want to or need to, or they can get help, right, if they want to. It's all good. But the other cool thing is that ARC technology is so powerful that once you finish playing around with your use case and getting a proof of concept set up, there's no reason to use something else because everything you need to ever be done can be done using Arc technology. The modular core can be upgraded, plugins can be written, and all the SDKs you'll ever need are right there. Also, all of the open source products you'll need are right there. You'll get desktop wallets right there. You'll get mobile wallets right there. So it's kind of like the simplicity and the accessibility of Arc technology gets their toes in the water, and then the power and performance and versatility, adaptability of the of the products, grab them and keep them in the ecosystem. This all kind of centers around the deployer. And I'm very happy that Vinicius was just hired to work on deployer and improve it a lot. And I can't wait to see these improvements because the deployer is one of the things that gets me the most excited, aside from, of course, the core node manager dashboard GUI. That's my boy right there. But the deployer is also where it's at and it's only going to get better. So also, we've got the plugin manager for the Arc Desktop Wallet coming in Q4 2019 expected. And this essentially acts as a way for users to be inside the desktop wallet and discover new plugins that they want to install into their wallet to improve their experience and browse different plugins, read about them and all that. So I know that this is going to be great because at the moment, it's pretty much like external resources that you kind of have to already know what they are and you have to already find them to know that there's something out there. So like, yeah, if you're glued to the news, like on Reddit and somebody releases something new that you can use, then you can you can access it. Or if you can find your way around GitHub really, really well, then you can discover plugins that way and install them. Or you can use third-party resources like arcdirectory.com, which is a community-run project, and discover plugins that way. But the plugin manager kind of brings everything home and makes it really easy for everyday people to do this stuff. And in my opinion, it's really going to give the desktop wallet plugin experience a clean, polished look. Last but not least, Q4 2019, we've got the website additional content coming into play. Now, 
it's very generic on the roadmap, I know. But I can tell you some specific information, like, for example, in the recent past, we just improved the website by adding pages for the Powered by Arc program and the Arc Advocate program. So you can see how the website just kind of grows and new content is added as needed. It was a lot harder to add new content to the old website. And now with the new website, with everything modular and interactive, it's really nice. Actually, there's a really nice back end to the website that the team sees, but you don't see. That the team built for itself to use for itself to update the website quick and easy. It's kind of like if Photoshop built Photoshop to make graphic banner ads advertising Photoshop. But yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice. So I love the website. I think the new look is super fresh. And we're going to see a lot more cool features coming to the site soon. Now, there's a lot more content going on on the roadmap that I invite you to check out at roadmap.arc.io. But for now, these are the types of things that I'm personally looking forward to and I'm personally excited about regarding Arc's near-term future. And I hope you are too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Arc Crypto Podcast. You can subscribe and read transcripts of episodes at thearccryptopodcast.com. You can also subscribe direct on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and CastBox. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at arc underscore podcast, where you can stream our episodes directly inside of our tweets. How cool is that? See you next time. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform the listeners. The host is not a financial advisor, and this podcast is not financial advice. Listeners are encouraged to conduct their own research prior to making any investments. Guests who speak in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions, and do not represent the beliefs or ideas of ARC.io or the ARC Crypto Podcast. A guest appearance on this podcast assumes no partnership or pending partnership with ARC.io or any associated entity. A guest appearance is by no means an endorsement or solicitation by the ARC Crypto Podcast to purchase a specific cryptocurrency at a specific time or at all. The ARC Crypto Podcast will never solicit any investment from the listener, nor will it ever contact the listener to solicit an investment. Any paid advertisements on the ARC Crypto Podcast will be clearly disclosed as such. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted towards the content of this podcast is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. The ARC Crypto Podcast assumes no liability for any of your activities in connection with this podcast or for your use of this podcast in connection with your website, computer, or playing device.